I'm grateful for where I am now. Obviously, like, there's a lot that I wish I could change, but you can't change it. Right. And so now I just try to pay it forward in turn, and let people know, like, you know, like like I said, like, if you want to be a writer, like, really embrace it. Don't feel afraid of, like, the rejection. If, you, if you're getting rejected, that means you're in the game at least, mm. you know? Yeah, you Put yourself change, in the game. For sure. Try it out. What's going on, everybody? Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Off the Cuff, where conversations lead to inspiration. I'm your host, Christian Palmer, and today I'm joined by New York Times bestselling author of Friday Black. He's an educator, and he is selected by Colson Whitehead as one of the National Book Foundation's five under 35 honorees. Without further ado, here's Off the Cuff with Nana Kwame Ajinbrinya. Thank Nana, you, bro. Welcome I just to hear the show. applause. This is, this is it. I appreciate you for for being here. I'm excited. Um, Like I said, um, you know, you are representing one of the elites from upstate New York, Rockland County. You already know. Uh, You know what I'm saying? The 845 is strong there. So I'm just excited to have you on the show, man. Like, there's so much to talk about. I'm excited to be here. Like, you see I'm wearing a brand, but also my socks, I'm wearing Rampo. Oh, the Griffins. Yeah. Wow. Um, (laughs) So... You know, I love seeing people from the town uh, doing something uh, creative and cool and ambitious. So it's only right. I'm glad I came right now too. While it looks so beautiful, I appreciate that, man. Not nah, and you know, you always been someone that I admire just from afar. And to kick things off, obviously, you know, we have to address what's on the table now. Friday Black. Um, funny story about this. <laughs> when I went to the Barnes and Nobles that I went to, it was actually the last copy. Yeah. That they had. Wow. And I was just like, it was meant to be, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I was so excited to uh, have a copy. And I definitely want you to autograph it and kind of, you know, yeah. give me something to, to, to remember you by. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things out of this book here that actually caught my attention was the first page. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I opened it, I'm like, I know Nana. Like, let me just see if I could dig it a little deeper. And the first thing I came across was Nana Kwame writing will grab you haunt you, enrage you, and invigorate you. Yeah. That's beastie. <laughs> right. Right. The, you know, tell me a little bit more of that. Let's tell the audience a little bit more about, you know, why would a reader be feeling that way? Well, first off, like, just so people don't, like, no, that's like the little inside jacket, almost like the back cover where they say stuff about, like, what, what you should expect to read. And so I didn't create that. I didn't write that myself. Really? Uh, no, I don't know that I would say that about my own Okay. <laughs> you know I mean, everybody is cool or whatever, but, like, Right, because you're so humble. Uh, I mean, it just feels weird to be like, my work will invigorate you. You know, that feels weird for me to say. um, But I respect it and appreciate it when others say it. My publicist, I'm sure Craig came up with that. But um, yeah, I think uh, it's, I think this book, I'm glad that people felt that way. I think uh, it's a short story collection and it had a lot of different sort of, I don't know, avenues of feeling. Some stories were really violent. Some stories were really sort of, I guess, tender. A lot of them were, I think the people most connect with the fact that they're concerned with like uh, the extrajudicial murdering of black people, which is like uh, the first in the book is very much concerned with that. And so it's a lot of different feelings. I think one thing I really feel proud of with this first book is that um, you don't know what the hell is about to come from story to story, you know? So 
you know, hopefully that those things they say are true. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't make that up myself. Okay. Well, that, well, that's a good uh, thing <laughs> to know. And, you know, it's the beautiful thing because off the cuff is like understanding and looking a little bit more behind the scenes yeah. of you. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about that. You know, when did you decide to write this book? What was the inspiration behind it? Yeah. So, um, it's weird, like being a writer, it's hard for me to pinpoint when I decided I wanted to do it because for a long time, I didn't know that that was something someone could choose to do. Uh, while I was in Spring Valley, when I was um, in all the way up to high school, I had never admitted out loud that I wanted to be a writer. But what I preferred about writing was it was free. Mm. You know, that was my thing. Uh, and I like I, I really enjoyed things that you can't that can't be taken away from you. Mm. Um, I think because of a lot of stuff growing up. I had seen that, like, you know, you can lose a lot of stuff. You can lose, like, whatever, video games. You could lose electricity. You could lose a house. You could lose all those things. But uh, the things that you create in your mind, those are kind of a gift uh, from you to you that can never really be taken. I think that's where I really fell in love with it. But in terms of this book, I think when I was in undergrad at Albany, uh, that's where I was sort of... I got the courage to be like, you know what? I want to be a writer. Mm. And then it was several years before um, this manifested. But I wrote the very first stories that uh, what, uh, of mine that would appear in this book back then. Mm-hmm. And because, again, it's a short story collection, and you're doing it piece by piece by piece by piece, not knowing what you have. Almost like if you are a recording artist making an album, you just, this is a song, this is a song, wait, this song sucks, that song sucks. And I have a lot of stories that suck. You know, I probably have 10 times the number of stories that weren't able to make this collection because they're trash, you know. Um, But uh, by the time I went to grad school, I had to work, I had to create a, um, what do you call it, like a final thesis. And uh, my thesis by another title was what ended up becoming Friday Black. Wow. Yeah. So much into that. And you touch a little bit more about the, like, you know, about the process, yeah. you know, kind of Albany and then going to Syracuse and kind of just a variety and series of short stories. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit more about just the process into completing it eventually. You know, you you kind of gather all these 10 stories. I mean, right. A yeah. collection of stories. Uh, but like you said, like, tell me a little bit more about the process that went behind that to kind of finalize it. It's so many, it's so many different things because there's the writing portion of it and then a publishing a book. You know, writing a book and publishing a book are like very different, are very different things. Like, like, like I said, uh, the, what I read in this book are the words of the stories. Everything else, like this cover, that little thing you read in the jacket, right. the back stuff, the blurbs. All, there's a lot of other pieces that come in. The creative, but what I did was the words, obviously, and to me, that's always the most important part, mm-hmm. obviously. But um, a lot of like the object of a book that people consider, it's a lot of different. It's it, a lot more people than just me come to make that, you know, materialize in the world. So uh, the process of the writing part, my part, <laughs> it's a uh, a lot of reading mm-hmm. of other fiction that really like makes me feel something, work that I feel is important. Um, it's trying you know it's like throwing you know throwing darts at a dartboard in the dark just what sticks what feels funny to me but for me that's that's what was important to me right. discovering uh what i feel is valuable for fiction to be and for a long time i thought humor was like keep that shit like <laughs> somewhere yeah. else yeah you got to be like a serious writer <laughs> um but then you kind of discover like you know who you to me the process of becoming a writer is sort of the process of discovering who you are and being okay with that mm. so i had to learn like you know what 
I use humor in like my day-to-day scenarios to feel comfortable in the space. So humor has to have a way in my, find a way to be in my stories. You know, uh, I am concerned with the fact that the world is a dumpster fire in so many ways, whether that be because of hyper-consumerism and capitalism, whether that be because of um, our racist everything, whether it be because of the ways, um, I don't know, the patriarchy has kept so many of us down, in particular women. I, I'm interested in the, like, the shit that like, shapes our lives. Yeah. And I don't mind talking about that directly. And so getting comfortable with that part was how, like the, even though I know you're asking for process, that's like sort of mean like the pre-process. Yeah. And then in terms of like the physical process, it's just grinding for a long, long, long time. Take, I, I went to um, Syracuse MFA program. I was there for three years. Mm. And, you know, that was three years where my whole life was about building myself up as a writer, getting smarter, getting sharper, reading a lot. And in the summers, I would write these stories. And what that might look like is if I was working at Against All Odds in the mall, I would come home at, at close, close to say you get home at like 11 and then 11 to like 5 a.m. sometimes, you know, yeah. just typing on my little Lenovo netbook. Uh, trying to gifted, make a story, right? huh? That was gifted. That was right? gifted to me yeah. by my older sister. Oh yeah, yeah. you know that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My older sister gave me that, which was my 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 first computer at SUNY Albany, where everyone had their MacBooks. I was like on this Lenovo nut, um, netbook, and that's uh, where I wrote most of this. Wow, that's crazy. You know, it's funny. I was watching a lot of your your, your videos and YouTubes and stuff because uh, when you went on tour, you pretty much speaking to everybody. Everybody wanted to speak to you, right? Right. And um, they still do because obviously we're speaking today. Um, but one of the things that actually caught my attention was like, they're always going to say, yo, like, I thought you was going to be so, like, a little bit more weird. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. why did people think that? <laughs> I think, because um, <laughs> I write weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> Compared, re- relative to what they think is normal. Right. You know, I don't, I have stories where, I mean, a lot of weird premises, you know, but to me, that's that's just a way into the story. Yeah. At the end of the day, I I I feel like my stories end in earnestness and heart, just like all the stories we yeah. love. But there might be a a talking fetus or uh, zombie shoppers or whatever. You know, those are just like a conceits and premises that I create to like have fun or have a way of discussing a difficult subject. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think people see that and be like, oh, he's probably got to be a weirdo. Nah, well, <laughs> just disclaimer, I do not yeah. think you're a weirdo. You feel me? Um, but it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned you mentioned um just like the zombie thing, because I remember in the in a story in in retail, yeah. uh, you were working at the Palisades Mall, right? Yep. At, at the time and stuff, and you were having a conversation with, with a Spanish woman that you were speaking to her in Spanish and mm-hmm. stuff. And at towards the end, the one thing that actually caught my attention was when you finished the story, it says, you know, literally did she know she was she was like the hero. She was the one that was actually benefiting. She was everything. Yeah, she was everything, right? Yeah. What? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I really did work. So again, I write fiction, but obviously a lot of my stories, and maybe that story is one of the ones in particular there, that closely echo my real life. Hmm. And so I worked in a, a store called Against All Odds in the Palisades Mall and in the Crossgates Mall in Albany. while Because while they shipped school. you back and forth. Yeah, right? I just during the school year, I'd work at that store, and then in the summer, I would work at the other store. Um, because I really was a good salesperson. Really <laughs> I'm surprised. I mean, because uh, uh, when I was at the Palisades Mall, I worked in uh, um, Aldo and Journeys. Yeah. So I know against a lot because Journeys was right yeah, across against yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, bro. You know. <laughs> um, we had like, it's a big store with right. like quote unquote urban clothing. Yep. And um, so yeah, uh, I, but I hated it. 
<laughs> I hated working retail and I worked retail for a long time. I worked retail from age 16 all the way to like probably 23-ish, 24. Um, and it was the only real job I have ever had before teaching actually. Mm. And so, uh, but I hated it because I felt it was boring to me. Uh, it was monotonous. It was repetitive. And, but I've, I've learned to change my perspective because I'm also not very grateful for that time. Because it was so, because it was so mundane and so repetitive, I had time for my imagination to go all types of crazy places, mm. you know. And it's not an accident, but that this, my first book is a flip on the biggest shopping day in America. So, but, but to answer your question, um, while I was there, I would try to find things that were meaningful, you know. And maybe it wouldn't do in the moment, but maybe after the fact. Because mm. for a long time, I felt like, and I think many people feel like because I'm not having X, Y, and Z job, I'm not someone of significance, I'm not important and whatever. And I've obviously, I've shifted my perspective and I now know that no matter what you do, you're someone of value. It really isn't about what you produce or what you make or what kind of ah-ah-ah. You are someone as of value no matter what. I had to teach that to myself and now mm. I can tell it to others. But back then I did not believe that at all. And so every time I would punch in was like a reminder that I wasn't shit in my mind. Wow. And... So that story is like about how, you know, there are little opportunities where maybe it is mundane, maybe it doesn't matter, but you can make someone happy. You can help somebody. Yeah. And that does matter. And so with that, in that story, there's a woman who needs help and the main character doesn't speak English or his English, you know, un poquito. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, he's able to help this person and it helps, it helps them feel a little, it helps her actually, that one, feel a little bit better about the fact that they're in a space that they don't love and kind of is making them depressed. Mm. Yeah, that's like the thing within retail. Yeah, well, that's that's amazing. And I know we talked a little bit about just the challenges you faced up until the process, right? Yeah. And um, I know from what I was able to gather that Finkelstein 5 was the one that was rejected a ton, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I'm curious to know from just the way you think about just the entire process in itself. Like, tell me what got you through, what got you through those rejections, through the revisions, through yeah. the drafts. Like, tell yeah. me a little bit more about that. It's a good question. So that's the first story in my book. And if like, if you had to ask me, I believe that that's the story that made my career a thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people said they read the book, but they read the first story. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's crazy because Finkelstein 5, and although I know it's fiction, but it reminds me of the Finkelstein Library. Of course. Home. There's a, people from Spring Valley know there's a Finkelstein Library, which is where I feel, you know, I used to like spend hours and hours yeah. and hours there. And so it was kind of a shout out for my Spring Valley people. There you go, right? Um, there's a lot of little shout outs yeah. I have to make sure. I really like to try to rep Spring Valley pretty hard, as you can see from from the socks. Yeah, the socks. <laughs> but um, because who else? You know what I mean? For if, sure. If we don't do it, then who's going to do it? And you said it taught you a lot too growing up. It taught me everything. That's it's who I am. Yeah. But um, with the Finkelstein 5, uh, I didn't, I don't know what kept me on, but like, it, it's like sort of like when you know, it's like when you figure out, oh, this is really me, you got to like hold on to that. So again, I had an MFA program where I, I spent several years trying to figure out who I was as a writer, excuse me. And so that process is harrowing because you got to submit a story to a workshop and you know when something hits or not, you know? And I, I've actually had workshops with my professor and I'm very grateful for, to him now for it. 
my professor Arthur Flowers had read it, and this is after everyone in the workshop. Imagine a room of six people, mm. and you all like kind of like, oh, like they say little comments, they say little comments, and everyone's being very congratulatory about this story. And Arthur, um, he's like, you know, the Memphis blues man, yeah. who do really dope dude and a writer and a great writer. He takes the story and he's just like, he throws that shit on the ground like, bah! and he but let me know like basically for the next 30 minutes how it wasn't good and how it was like kind of pretending and it was true though and i wasn't able to understand at the time because i was in my feelings about it mm. but i had written a story that really wasn't me it was me trying to be like what i thought was cool or dope wow when i got to the Finkelstein fire though i wrote it in i wrote it as a small little project in arthur's in that same art guy arthur's class first mm. And I brought it into class and I saw how everyone responded to it. It wasn't a workshop. It was just like a class of regular students. Mm -hmm. And actually there were some undergrads in that class. And there was like a certain kind of energy around it because it had humor, even though it was very serious. And it was, you know, about shit that I cared about Mm. as opposed to just like, you know, being trying to be cool and trying to prove I was a dope writer. And so I felt, I believed in it. And of course it's about, you know, I I was in college when Trayvon Martin was murdered. Mm I really believe in what it's trying to say. From, so for me, the reason I was able to push through all the rejections was, A, it was about a subject I cared about deeply and still care about deeply, obviously. And two, I felt like I knew what it was like to be like rejected and, re- and like, you know, put, a put down for putting out work that was not me. Mm. And so now, like when I, I remember that after that day with Arthur, I told myself, you know what, if that's going to happen, I'm going to at least put out my real self. Because mm. I couldn't even defend it. Cause I knew it wasn't really like, wow. so, you know, so um, the rejections, I was like, you know what, this is who I am and this is what I want to do. So I'm not going to quit. And also it matters to me. And so I just took the rejection as fuel. It's not like a no as a get it better. And that's how I look at rejections now all the time. It's not saying no, it's saying not yet. Wow. Yo, that's, that's phenomenal. And I appreciate you sharing that. Just- that's the game, bro. Writing. Yeah, one thing I say, if you want to be a writer and I think a creative you have to be very, very comfortable or even embrace rejection. Mm. It's a part of the game. I have, I can, I can show you like, uh, like on the website where like writers can submit stories to publications, years, two years of straight rejections. Wow. That's part of it though. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad, you know, it got you through the hump and, you know, just you kind of just keeping your eye on the pulse and foot on the gas that, you know, it is going to happen. People are going to know your name. And yep. look at that, New York Times bestseller. You know what I'm saying? So it happens, man. I was I was desperate. It was mm-hmm. good. It was sort of do or die for me. And you know, I don't really. It's a weird thing. It's weird, but I was very desperate, and it was kind of like I don't got no choice. And I'm glad, you know, it worked out. And why did you feel you had no choice? There was so much shit going on in my life, uh, and still is that like you know just a lot of whether it be. Uh, circumstances where you are suddenly like the family is like one of the people who have to like meaningfully provide for a family. Mm-hmm. When this book, when I, right before, right when I got the agent who would, is my current agent and helped me sell this book, my, my father was diagnosed with cancer. Oh. Um, and he's now passed a couple, two years ago. Sure, yeah. um, so it was like, <laughs> the, uh, the way I viewed it was like, you have to do this now. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like a, like I said, do or die very literally. <laughs> you know, you gotta, this cancer shit is not cheap. I really hope no one ever, people don't have to figure that out, but it's a, it's a, not only do you, are you not working anymore, but then it comes with expenses itself. Mm. And obviously writing is a bad choice of profession if you're trying to make money, <laughs> but 
it was the only thing I, it was like, that's like my, the only skill I really have. Yeah. <laughs> so that, and like, you know what I mean? I could, I could play like rec league basketball probably and like right. smash bros. There you so go. I don't have too many like marketable skills. So uh, that, and, and yeah, that's, and also for myself, it was like, I've invested a lot of time into this. Yeah. So this is what I got to do. So for me, um, it's weird though, right? Cause like, what if it wouldn't have happened? But in my mind, like I really decided like there is no option. For sure. Man, nah, nah, I want to, I want to congratulate you, man. Cause Thanks. it's not a skill. I think it's a talent. It's a gift. Yeah. You know? And I, and I think the people actually need to see this, you know, they need to right. see the true self. And I, and I'm always a, a big believer of like certain connections. You can only connect the dots, look at backwards. Yeah. And, you know, I think Steve Jobs said that in commencement speech and stuff. And I think it's an amazing thing that, you know, through everything that has happened to you, the way you connected dots is the way everything was supposed to happen. Yeah. I'm so grateful just to even hear some of these stories now. Yeah. And I, I really do try to look at it that way. Like even like the really, really rough moments, you know, I, I try to look back at myself with some type of like grace and humility because uh, I'm grateful for where I am now. Obviously, like, there's a lot that I wish I could change, but you can't change it. Right. And so now I just try to pay it forward and, turn, and let people know, like, you know, like, like I said, like, if you want to be a writer, like, really embrace it. Don't feel afraid of, like, the rejection. If, you, if you're getting rejected, that means you're in the game at least, mm. you know? Yeah, you Put yourself seen, in the game. For sure. Try it out. And also, I also know on this side of it, this place where I really want to be, like, on the inside looking out as opposed to on the outside looking in. You can be just as sad and depressed and, and and upset having achieved your goals. So, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's really important to like work on like the, I, I sorry, I always bring it to like this type of stuff when I'm yeah, talking about this stuff. But it, like, bro. if you like, like getting a New York Times bestseller if you're a writer, for example, that won't save you. Mm. It won't. Yeah. Obviously, of course, I, I'm grateful for it. And, um, you know, it's changed my life and I'm very grateful for the people that have helped that happen. But, um, it won't, like, it doesn't mean happiness, mm -hmm. you know. The, I mean, a simple way of saying it is, uh, you know, J. Cole that song, I Love Yours. Yeah. Like, you know, you got to, like, there's no such thing as a life that's better than yours. And yeah. really, like, internalizing that and trying to feel that deeply is important. Because that, if, if that's the case, if, 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 if success or whatever means happiness, there's always more. Yeah. You could, oh, I got to be a number one bestseller, right, though. Right. No, I got to be the da-da-da. I got to be ah-ah-ah. So you got to find a way to, like... Of course, still like be motivated, mm -hmm. but not thinking like, oh, happiness on the other side of some external goal. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's hard for me to say that though, because I'm a very, very goal driven person. Yeah. So I'm trying to find a balance. Right. And that's so important stuff. And, and I want to kind of uh, transition a little bit from those because uh, despite, you, there was one thing that you actually said that it was very interesting. And I, and I think, you know, we talked a little bit about this offline, but I want to kind of let the audience, you know, today. Yeah. Um, just share a little bit more about that story. But you said something along the lines that, you know, despite your book doing so well and being acknowledged, you know, New York Times bestseller, so many accolades along the way, yeah. uh, you mentioned that it was also one of the worst times of your life. Yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about that year with us? Yeah. So the my book came out in October of 2018, which is crazy now. Yeah. What is going on with years, time, bro? bro. Next year. <laughs> Um, so, the, and again, like, I was also very happy at that time. I got to see the world, you know what I mean? Literally. Yeah. But my father was like in like the, the end of his life. My, my, my father passed in July. The book came in October. 
and it was like clear, you mm-hmm. know. Um, he had like we had been fighting the cancer thing for like two years, and I was very, very, very engaged in that process, and it was sort of coming to the end of a very long road, and that was super difficult. Mm-hmm. And that was being paired. So like that off rip is difficult. And it was actually for me more difficult because on the other side, everywhere I go is congratulations. Mm. And I like, you know, and you're so consumed with this other thing. Yeah. And it's not, you know, and that, that's, there's the fact that cancer, but it's also like the, it's weird to say, but like those kind of things end up being a logistical issue. Yeah. There's so many forms. There's so many this and that. It's also like who even is going to like, the, no, the bills come, bills are coming still. So you know, who's going to support your, the, the, you know, whoever, whatever, you know? And so you, which makes it like, I, I you gotta attend to this work you're doing, which I am happy to be doing, but also now you're, you're going to be end up, you're missing out on a lot of what end up, what is going to end up being the last moments of this person's life. So that's already like a difficult, that's already a difficult like game to, especially to your first time. So I'm like learning on the fly what it means to be like a public facing anything then on the other side yeah that alone is like the book stuff is like you know now you're like now i'm comfortable i mean obviously at first i already know you but i've but i've done it a million times yeah like you know sometimes like people see this stuff when you but they don't see like a zillion cameras and big lights and da 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 da, you know what i mean and if you don't have experience with that it can be intimidating absolutely you know i mean you have you have a you have a lot of experience with that like i know you you spoke in front of huge crowds before I was if, terrified then. If people yeah. haven't done that a lot. It, it's, I mean, it's terrifying regardless. Yeah. But imagine doing that again and again and again and again. And, and again, you're happy for it all, but it's like an adrenaline come down. Mm-hmm. Like, so like you, you mentioned the Seth Myers. I remember being like sick. And then I have to, then I had to just get to a place where like, you know what? I feel fine. I don't care. But then after you're like in this like sinking feeling. Mm. So just mentally, it was a lot to manage. And I think a lot of that period is why I'm like on my like sort of Zen meditation shit now yeah. because uh, it was really, really difficult. So I think it was really, it was really just growing pains and whatever, and a part of it was I was resisting the fact that my life was changing. And so we all have like a certain kind of story we tell ourselves about ourselves, you know, and like, and that person, like, I'm like, you know, I'm grinding, I'm trying to get in and I'm the one who they left off, left on the bench and I'm going to work hard. You know, that was my, like my personal narrative. Sure. And that stops being true. And now it's like, okay, who the fuck are you now? Mm. And that, that alone, that's really disorientating. You know, okay, you aren't that. You can't be because you're, you know I mean, if that was true, why the, why you want Seth Myers or whatever? And that's why sometimes like, I, I do try to be humble, but sometimes like it used to be like, I still want to think about that because it, it's, it's contrary to my personal story of myself. Mm. So I kind of like, <laughs> I'd rather not hear about X, Y, and Z because like it will make me feel fucked up. So anyways, all those things, sorry, that's a long answer, but all those <laughs> yes, things put together kind of made it uh, a more difficult year for me. That's a couple of years. And, and I appreciate you sharing that. So where, where do you feel that you are now mentally? I mean, right now, right now, uh, I'm working on book number two. So I'm like, I'm signing up for it all again, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. You, you name all of this and then you're back at it. Right, right, right back at it. And it's, I'm actually, you know, because that's the thing, like, the thing I'm trying to do is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's this weird game. Also, again, I'm grateful for it. I loved, I loved it. It was just the hardest time. Yeah. It was just the most challenging time. But I also, I, I'm not someone who, like, challenge makes me feel like I'm doing something meaningful as mm-hmm. well. So, um, but now I'm in a lot better place. I do therapy. I go, I, I meditate a lot. 
I try to like not do shit that like makes me feel really upset. And all that said, um, it's up and down. Yeah. When it's still pandemic. Uh, the world's on fire. Sea levels are rising. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the type of person to be like upset by that type of stuff. So I try to take it a day at a time. So for me, what I think about how I feel like right now in this moment, yeah. right now in this moment, I feel great. That's and great. everything else is like, what am I going to do about it? Absolutely. Now, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, how uh, do you feel like, you know, now you talked about therapy, you talked about, um, you know, just you also, one of the things that you didn't touch upon when that, that I know is that you're doing uh, music as well. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit more about how you balancing those two things out, you know, from writing kind of, you know, in the process of launching book number two, but now kind of also tapping into the music a little bit. Yeah. The music is a very, it's a very like self-motivated project. I don't have any aspirations for it to become this you know what i'm saying i'm not trying to like become like i don't want music or rap to be like a source of income for me but it's a form of expression for you though right yeah it's a great form of expression and actually part of why i love it right now is that it is totally divorced of some of that stuff Mm -hmm. so like when something once the art form becomes your livelihood it's it's different now it's like uh it's not the same as it was when you were just like shoot, like you said, like throwing darts at, in the dark. That felt like there was something, not not that it's, and again, I still love writing. That's I consider myself a writer, but it's, I'm writing for like really for me. And I, I don't know who the fuck will ever read it, maybe ever. Like it's different when you're writing for like two Facebook friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. Versus knowing for a fact that people, when you drop a book, they will pre-order it. There will be a massive commercial push for it. Not massive, but there'll be a commercial push. Sure. I'm not like a big deal like that, but like there'll be some, some people will, someone will do something. There'll be a machine behind it, which will require me to do a lot of this type of stuff or whatever. Versus me writing raps that I got from on a beat that I got off of YouTube. No one cares. No one gives a fuck. No one cares at all. Like that kind of stuff that that feels like it's almost, it feels like how that felt in the beginning. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm tracing that feeling. Who am I when I make something when no one gives a fuck? I want to make sure I never forget that. You know, yeah. I feel like when no one, no one cares at all. And I'm, I'm, hip, I'm happy to see that like my writing success <laughs> doesn't like bleed over to my, the, like the music. St- I mean, I haven't put any music out for real, so who knows? But I, I have a sense that people don't really care. And I think that's a huge blessing. That's amazing. <laughs> I want to touch upon a, a little bit about that because you said, I know you say a lot, you like creating something from nothing. Yeah. You think that, that, that shit is dope. Yeah, you know I love it. Um, now, I'm curious to know, what advice would you share for for just the young authors, the writers, the people who are tuning in, watching you today, uh, just looking to start something, right? Yeah. Who have a business idea, who have something that they want to put out to the world, but the inner core is telling them, like, there's some sort of hesitation there. Yeah, right? yeah. What would you share with them? I mean, I have so many different, like, forms of, like, advice for it that I can, I'm constantly giving myself, but I feel like number one is, like, just do it like no one will ever see it, but it's for you. Like, just make it. Like, mm. just see. Just see. Yeah. And, like, don't, because once you start thinking about, like, sharing it or the, it's it's scary. Mm. People, like, people are haters. People like to be like, why are you trying to do this and that? Because uh, that's, that's another thing for me. Like, I have to make sure I'm not pandering to, like, some invisible audience anymore. Because yeah. I know for sure, like, me, like, <laughs> making music or whatever that is, that's, like, considered, like, weird. You know? No, I don't think it's weird, but okay. <laughs> but like people who know me through Bookstaff will yeah. definitely think it's weird. Okay. 
which is weird to say that because it's still writing. It's just exactly. poetry to instrument, instrumentation, but whatever. Uh, they'll think it's weird. So I got, I, I feel like learning to be vulnerable with yourself and like being willing to grow in that vulnerability is super important for someone who's trying to do anything. So I guess just, just try, just try. And don't worry about like, and I remember failure is a part of the process. And then the other thing I would say is like, um, give yourself like a good chance to succeed. Meaning like, I'm not like the most disciplined in terms of how I put in this many hours, but I, I'm actually like low key obsessive. Mm. So I don't mind going, I can work on a book for 12 hours in a day. You know, like I, like I can do that. Mm. You know, I can, I can be engaged in a single singular project for hours and hours and hours. If you don't have, if you haven't built that muscle up, grow that. Mm. You're like, like grow that, like find the parts of the thing you love so that you can stay you know what? I'm going to do this for two hours today, two hours, and then grow a little bit from there. See, see if you can, but like just grow, cultivate a, cause a lot of people like say they want to do stuff, but then when they have to do it, they forget like, oh wait, it's going to be hard. Yeah. And that's why I like to really encourage when I see my people doing stuff, stuff like this. Cause I know like it took a lot of effort on the back end that no, or the front end that no one will ever see. Yeah. People see this like final product, but like, I know how much stuff goes into it, right. you know? Or I, I know that I don't even know how much stuff goes into it. Mm. And so it's like, but you weren't afraid to, let me say, fuck it, let me try. Yeah. And let me figure it out. And, and let me be okay with knowing season two is going to be better than season one. But some people won't like how season one looks, so they won't even do it. Yeah. So they won't even get to the second, you know what I'm saying? Right. So like just being okay with like doing it, I really respect it. But like you got to cultivate some, t some type of discipline, whatever that looks like it means for you, have some version of that, you know? That's beautiful, man. And that's well said. And, you know, gems, bro. Just gems <laughs> after gems. Now, as as we kind of get towards the end of, of, of our conversation today, I, I kind of want to learn a little bit more. I know you touched more on, you know, book number two, but what can el what else can we expect from you? Like, uh, just in general, in just Nano's <laughs> world. Shit, man. After I do this book, I might disappear. <laughs> I might be, <laughs> I mean, let's see. Let's see how it does, if I can afford that. Um, so yeah, the book is coming and that's like the main thing I've been working on. I mean, it's funny that I, at first I was like, shit, I don't have anything to talk about, but I do actually. Um, I've been besides making music, I've been interested in like directing in general, but I've been happy to work on some music videos. Nice. I already did one for Mike Mitch, who is my engineer. Dope. Shout out Mike yeah, Mitch. Shout out, shout out. <laughs> and, uh, but I worked on another music video with him and a group called the Venture Clan. Starring Nick Cregan, actually. Okay, okay. Shout out to Nick, too. So it's a very, like, you know, UA type of, yes, type of shit going family on. family there, man. And um, the video's super dope. And I got it. Well, I don't, I'm waiting for them to put it out. So okay. that's something, like, and I tried directed that. That's and dope. I'm waiting on that to come out. I'm working on a lot of stuff. I don't know if it's worth talking about. I, I, I do screenwriting as well, like writing for television. I'm trying to get into that. So we'll see how. Oh. We'll see how that goes. And then like, you know, producing more stuff along those lines. And of course, more of that secret rap project where. Yeah. Oh, are we going to get an episode three too? Episode three. I got it on my computer. Oh, okay. I, I just don't want to, it takes so long to put the captions in. I oh. do that myself. Wait, you do all the editing yourself? I do all the editing myself. That's fire. Top to bottom. That's wavy. I film it. I do every single thing by myself. Because I saw the filming part, but again, like we don't see the behind the scenes. Bro, I'm in Premiere, bro. Nice. And premiere, like, Dope. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's time consuming, man. Dog, people have no idea. Yo, it's time consuming. Premiere is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I learned is. how to do a, 
the shit where like if I say I didn't want to show this and yeah. it's blurred out like gauzy and blur wow. and it will follow like it will That's follow fire. the blur like like I had to learn that wow. so I'm on YouTube fuck you know what I mean yeah yo blur because <laughs> you know what I mean that's why I learned Photoshop too just YouTube that's really why I'm that's also really why I'm doing the secret rap project mm. to give I'm very um uh project based okay like, I'm a pro, like, I need a project to like try to, I need to, I can't just like like you know arbitrarily learn something I need to like okay I I, I hit this wall how do I solve it you know what I mean? So like, like, for example, I didn't know how to do that blur shit and like it came up. Yeah. So then I learned it. You know what I mean? I, I didn't know how to cut back and forth between this. So I, I had a scene where I, I wanted that and I learned it because of that secret rap project. So really secret rap, the rap, secret rap stuff is, is me learning how to edit videos. That's fire. That's really like why I'm doing it. Yo, YouTube University says it's a school in itself, man. Yo. That is insane. So, uh, no, no, where, where can we follow you and where do we support you best? I don't even know my, everyone always asks me, I should know this. I think <laughs> it's King NK, King underscore NK on Instagram, I think. And then on Twitter, NK underscore ADJEI, I believe. Okay. But if you don't follow me, it's nah, fine. We'll, I'll be all right. <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to kind of put that in the caption there. Yeah, um, we'll start to see it because I might just totally lied. I have no idea. <laughs> but listen, uh, <laughs> Nana, man, um, a big part of the show and the reason why I created it is that I, you know, it's about just giving people their flowers. I know you mentioned pay it forward. That to me is like my mantra. Yep. But uh, I've learned that, you know, it's important to give people their flowers and i want to say that i'm giving you you i'm giving you your flowers thank you for bro. all that you do for for just being so humble and, and what you do and sometimes it's hard to kind of like you said now you're in it but you were always looking at it from an outsider in yeah. it, but now that you're in it so i just want to congratulate you for all your success you know this is a hard copy that i remember um watching one of your videos um your your your, your dad had mentioned to you that he you should be proud of that yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I think you should. And I just want to give you your flowers. Thank you, bro. All love, man. I appreciate it. It's uh I'm learning to be better at accepting it. And so I'm accept it as I wear my off the cuff, give people their flowers Absolutely. gear. And and <laughs> and kind of switching that a little bit, right? Um, who would you give your flowers to? There's so many people. So many people, but like that are in my circle. Like I said, first I think you're doing an incredible dope job, especially people like people from where I'm from especially in the grades under me, it's like, I'm really like supportive. So obviously you're doing Thank your you. thing. And I, I am so, I'm super proud. And all of us are like, you know, me, Nick, all of us, we're super proud when we see you. it. Um, but yeah, shout out to um, Nick. I'll talk about him because I just mentioned him. He's up in Vancouver shooting Batwoman right yes, now. Yes, I heard about that, man. Doing and um, another person who people see these things, but they don't see all these auditions he's doing he shoots his auditions with, with um some of his self-tapes with me wow so yeah bro, i learned the camera shit too bro yeah i know I <laughs> photography all that shit too so um i think people see like these shows and these bookings but they don't see i mean i don't want to shout out how many other things he tries out yeah. for but it's you know it's work yeah it's a lot of work and i've seen him like put effort into his craft and like it's nice to see it materialize so even though like you know, i mean usually i like to like tell him he's like you know he's stupid or he's whack or whatever but like you know in this moment where I'm feeling like like sincere, I'm really proud of him. So you know, I'll give throw my flowers to both you and to uh Nick Cregan who's really doing his thing right now. I appreciate you, man. And thank you for again just just again being on the show. And I think it's so important for, for us to hear your story behind Friday Black, you know, the process to get to that point, but also what you're doing outside to keep you creative, to keep you at ease and keep you at peace, right? 
Uh, now, before we wrap up, uh, there is something that um, I'm incorporating to the show. <laughs> it is always off the cuff, right? So yeah. uh, I know you've been staring at this. It, this is the pot of gold. It looks like oh. a sound. Yeah, there it is. Sounding bowl. Exactly that. I got one of those in my crib. <laughs> I'm like one of those people. <laughs> That's dope. But um, this is called the, the pot of gold. It's the hidden gems. There's a, a series of questions, all random. Okay. What I'm asked is just pick one question read it and just whatever comes to mind off the cuff right let me shake it first so you okay. know that something is in there <laughs> all right cool so here no peeking it's like deep i bet beautiful good hand running over with this <laughs> <Shout out to Ange. laughs> um what do you believe your purpose in life is oh something light no problem <laughs> um I, have an, I think I do have an answer, though. What do I believe my purpose in life is, which is a really good one. I almost want to No, you can it. put it back in there. Okay. <laughs> Someone else can get it. Um, I think my purpose is growing and shifting and changing, but I know at least part of it is to use the platforms I have and the uh, creative um, uh, sort of spaces I have some type of ability in to get us to reimagine systems uh, of living. Mm. So I think... We sort of assume that we have to just, you know, the way like Friday Black, like the way Black Friday was like to me, like, I mean, Friday Black, like I, when I was working in my like, this is insanity. This is crazy. This is a sickness in my opinion. And I think part of my purpose is to like use humor and like jokes and seriousness and whatever to at least shine a light on like, yo, I think we could be doing this better. Mm. And really what it ends up boiling down to is I think that we could like love each other more fully. Mm if we if these systems weren't so on our heads so i think that's my purpose to like help reimagine help us all reimagine these systems that have shaped our lives sometimes very violently mm. i appreciate you sharing that man uh anything else that's that's coming to mind no man i'm excited and i'm grateful so absolutely thank you. i appreciate you so much for coming to the show and wish you ongoing success man so many more wins you know what I'm saying? I'm grateful. I can't wait to like tell people I was on the early episodes of Yeah, Winter of Pine. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Were you well, talking uh I don't know, whoever that Rihanna? Yeah, let's do it, <laughs> man. You gotta speak into the existence, right? Manifestation. I can see it. I appreciate you, man. And there you have it. That was off the cuff with Nana Kwame Ajibrinya.